All right, Mark, we ready to go? Oh, so ready for today's episode. Oh, yeah, this is actually pretty exciting. Quite possibly our best episode to date. Oh, no doubt. We're going to... This one's out of the park. Absolutely. It's going to be so good. Yeah, we got a little bit of Uncle Fillmore coming in here in just a minute, and he's got some pretty... uh, He's got an interesting take on this. He always has a new perspective, doesn't he? Hi there. This is Uncle Fillmore. The fellows at Interman Radio wanted me to give you some advice on building trust with our kids. Something about foundational trust that helps them learn to trust God or something like that. Well, you probably can't tell, but I'm not a spring chicken anymore. And I've seen a thing or two and can tell you a few stories about building trust. Like the time my Uncle Hank took my cousin Lou from Sandusky and I snipe hunting. But I digress. Here's the deal. If you want to build trust in your kids, you should emulate those who are successful at it. People who by all measures shouldn't be trusted for some strange reason are people who though they lie cheat and steal still get people to trust them enough with their vote yep i'm talking about politicians see no matter how many times these characters misspeak misremember or quote i have no recollection of that senator unquote millions of people still put them in office time after time so what are they doing that the average interman radio listener isn't doing i mean other than embezzling and taking bribes from foreign governments but i digress they promise to give stuff Need the conservative vote? Well, you should promise to give school vouchers, tax breaks, AR-15s to every household, and pocket-sized copies of the Constitution of these United States. Need the progressive vote? Then promise free everything, including free college, manicures, and Tweety Bird jammy pants to wear at Walmart at 4 o'clock in the afternoon. Need your kids' vote of confidence and give them stuff. Stuff that says you can be trusted. Stuff like, oh, I don't know, a TV in their room, a cell phone at 8 years old, and a weekly allowance for all the work they do, breathing and eating your food. By giving them stuff, they will quickly learn to tell you what you want to hear. Because if they don't, the gravy train just might end. And who doesn't want a relationship with their kids built on mutual dependency? You want their approval, and they want more stuff. See? It almost brings tears to my eyes just thinking about it. So the next time you're trying to figure out how to build trust, remember, trust is made of stuff. Well, that's all I have for today. If you have any other parenting questions, you just let me know. (laughs) <laughs> wow! Thank, thank you for that. I think wisdom. Would you call that? Would you call that wisdom? Oh, man, well, it does set advice. Us up. Yeah, advice. Maybe just a uh, rant. A, a, <laughs> that I... might be closer. <laughs> Uncle Fillmore, another um, another great contribution to Interman Radio. Thank you for that. Thank you. Sometimes we're not sure if we should whatever Uncle Fillmore says, we just say the opposite, or if there is some wisdom there. So we'll just leave that up to the audience on this one. You decide. Yeah, you decide. What is the topic for today? Trust. Trust. Or like faith. Trust me. Trust, trust me. Yes. Trust me. Yeah, just trust me, hun. Trust, trust me. Famous last this words. This is going to work out just fine. That's yeah. right. <laughs> <laughs> right. I know a shortcut. We're trying to build trust with our kids. And I think you should just be able to tell them, you know, just command them. Oh, yeah. Thou shalt trust. It's a part of honoring your father and mother. Well, that's what Jesus did. You shall honor and you shall trust. So... That was a short episode, but quite possibly one of our best. Yeah, and they, we'll see you next time on. Well, here's the deal. Okay, so as as parents, um, it's really important that we understand that our kids come out of the box with certain default settings. You know when you go, you, you buy a toy at the store. And, and there are no batteries? It, yeah, and the default <laughs> setting on that remote control is a certain speed or whatever. There's like default settings. Now, I, I know think they're all set to loud. <laughs> And obnoxious. When you, when you, yeah, when you, yeah, they're all set to loud. Yeah. But yeah. kids? They have a default setting as well. And their default setting really is to see the world through their parents, through the lens of their parents. Like that they, they've got, like, they filter things through how they interact with mom and dad, through how mom and dad see things. 
And so at first, we've got their trust at first. For the first little, I don't know how many years, Mark, do you think that lasts? One. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know, it's funny. Kids do just because as they're growing up, they don't really have a lot to compare worldviews with. So they just tend naturally to pick up what's available, which is our worldview. Yeah. So what we think about something largely becomes what they think about something. <laughs> right? But as they grow, of course, two things are going to happen. One is they're going to be exposed to a lot of other worldviews that are also vying for predominance in their mind. But the second thing is, is they've got to make that transition between believing what they've seen in their parents to believing things because they believe them on their own. The faith has to become their own at some point. Okay, I'm going to head this off with the past real quick first, because um, I think we already went off track here. Because really, the, the goal here is to keep them from seeing those other things that might disagree <laughs> with their parents' point of view. So, parents, <laughs> the, the fewer Disney movies you can put in front of your kids, <laughs> or, or the longer you wait before they see that first Princess I Hate My Father movie, mm. um, the, the better, don't you think? Well, that's certainly possible, but... You know, we want the kids to grow up. We we want them to develop a faith of their own. So we should start sub- give, putting bad things in front of them earlier? <laughs> that is the challenge, isn't it? It sure is. is. I mean, yeah. and imagine from God's perspective, he's got the same challenge. How does he develop faith in us, right? In a God that we cannot see, for whom there is plenty of evidence, but still outside the realm of our direct experience in, in most cases. So... God's doing the same thing. He's trying to build faith in us, and we're trying to build trust in our kids. So, you know, today's episode is going to bounce back and forth between those two dynamics. It's us trying to develop really the kind of trust that we have with our kids and trust that they have in us so we can have the right kind of relationship. But really, we want to set them up for a successful relationship with the Lord so they can have faith in Him. So what do we do with doubt? Well, obviously, we don't give in to doubt. Wait a minute. So we just transitioned from trusting parents, now we're talking about doubt. Yeah, well— Okay, so what's the the transition there? Kids are going to have doubts. Kids are going to have doubts, and and they're going to have to deal with those in the same way that we have doubt. You know, as as people make the transition to Christianity, doubt is a normal part of the process. At a certain point in time— as parents, we can fully expect that our kids are going to start asking us questions, not so much because, hey, Dad, tell me everything that you believe about this because I really trust you and you are so wise. There might come a point in time. I just like to hear that, though. Yeah, I know. Yeah, but <laughs> but there, there might, there will come a time when they're asking questions, hopefully they're asking the questions, uh, where they're actually questioning our, our undermining assumptions. They're, they're, they're questioning why do you believe what you believe? Not because I really want to know what you believe, but because I don't think that's necessarily true, Dad. Yeah, and like you said, boy, we hope so. Yeah, exactly. We, we want the kids to come to that point where where they are trying to solve those issues, and they are grappling with those things. Uh, so, t- some, so many times, I think, ah, the religious world, you know, um, really, unfortunately, tries to minimize or eliminate or ignore doubt. And don't do that. You know, we, we actually, we want doubt. I mean, if you don't have doubts, something's wrong with you. Right. Um, you know, when the salesman comes to your door and he's got the latest, greatest vacuum and it's going to, you know, it's going to make your dog hypoallergenic, uh, <laughs> don't, don't, you know, doubt is what saves us, right, from, um, from being gullible and from 
and from buying everything that shows up on QVC. Is QVC a thing? Man, I don't know. I, that was a TV thing. I, yeah, yeah, so, right. yeah, I don't know. But, you know, otherwise, we'd fall for everything. So doubt's a necessary part of the process, um, and you need a healthy dose of skepticism. Kids need that, too, when they're trying to figure out who they are and what they're going to believe. But instead of trying to minimize that doubt, we, we actually want to use it as a stepping stone to get us where we want to go. Let's catch a little bit of Hebrews. Hebrews chapter 2, he says in verse 11, Both he who sanctifies and those who are sanctified are all from one Father, for which reason he is not ashamed to call them brethren, saying, I will proclaim your name to my brethren in the midst of the congregation. I will sing your praise. And again, I will put my trust in him. And again, behold, I and the children whom God has given me. He says, I will put my trust in him. That's Jesus making the statement that he's going to put trust in in the Father, behold, I and the children whom God has given me. The kind of trust that we're trying to build in our kids is the same kind of trust that the Lord is trying to build in us. Yeah, and if we go over to Matthew chapter 21, uh, scroll on over to verse, scroll on over to uh, verse 21. Turn your pages. Turn your, they, roll to yeah, another verse. man, okay. Yeah, yeah. Turn your pages. <laughs> and Jesus answers and said to them, Truly I say to you, if you have faith and do not doubt, you will not only do what was done to the fig tree, but even if you say to this mountain, be taken up and cast it into the sea, it will happen. And whatever you ask in prayer, believing, you will receive it all. So that actually sounds like that kind of contradicts it, Mark. So what gives? Sure. I think James, too, would, would agree with that. Um, that uh, anyone who doubts doesn't receive anything from the Lord. He's a double-minded man, unstable in all his ways, right? Yes. <clears throat> so, avoid doubt at all costs. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, it's funny, but sometimes that's the way the quote-unquote Christian world tries to view that, is just don't question your faith. Don't have any critical conversations. Don't question what you believe. Just believe it on the basis of belief alone. Yeah, I had an interesting conversation this last weekend with uh, a man who uh, is extremely involved in the Orthodox Church. So, um, so what kind of Orthodox Church? Uh, it's is he not Orthodox Orthodox. Mm, he like yeah. Catholic Orthodox. Greek no, it'd be Orthodox? like Rus- Russian Orthodox. Rus- oh, okay. Yeah. All right. Yeah. In, in any case, um, so we were talking about how we work through doubt. And, and ah. talking about how, you know, proof that the Bible is God's word, how yeah. do you move from atheist to believer, ah. things like that. His answer was interesting because he said, well, there's pathos, there's logos, and there's ethos. Yeah, yeah, and, yeah, yeah. And so so you, you have to believe with pathos, logos, and ethos, and but you can't let the logos take over too much for you because if you start trying to reason mm-hmm. through things too much yep. and you start trying to logically work to a faith from a logical position, you're buying into the to the Western ideal of 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 logic, which isn't really biblical. And my question oh, was my uh-huh. question was so what was Paul doing on Mars Hill? Now we're talking right. You know, so question would also be back here in Matthew twenty one when Jesus is making this statement to his disciples, what did he just get done doing? Right. He just got done demonstrating a reason for them to have faith in him. Yeah, there's certainly plenty of doubts, but that that's a great illustration. Is God really works with us on the level of evidence and and reason he says here's why you can have faith here's here's the evidence that produces a degree of trust and a degree of faith but then those doubts come up and what do we do with them there's you you only have two options right so if if doubt arises on any one of those issues you can either 
deal with it, you can address it and resolve it, or you can let it be. We want to encourage you, deal with it. Use doubts as the stepping stone that leads you to faith. Because when doubts arise, and they should, like we've talked about, that's a healthy thing. You should have, you know, a good dose of skepticism. When doubts arise, you got to resolve them. you got to find, okay, well, does, is it true or is it not true? The only reason why someone who wants to have faith or says they want to have faith and they don't deal with doubt is because, one, they might think, that those doubts are well-founded, and that maybe their faith cannot withstand investigation. And they're, they're, afraid, they're afraid to dig too much. Yes, yeah, yeah they absolutely yeah. are. And I think, you know, our culture and the, the scientific mindset, um, using air quotes, air quotes yeah. yeah, really does kind of present that opinion to a lot of people that faith cannot withstand debate, and it can't withstand, you know, reasoning scrutiny. And that's just not true at all. Um, we, we welcome those things, and let's get to the bottom of it. Because if we've believed wrongly, well, then we want to make that change. Uh, but if we've believed rightly, we want to embrace that. In any case, work through those doubts. Yeah. The other option is leave it alone. Right, right. So what does that look like? So we're talking in, in platitude and principle here. But uh, when, when our kids come up with a doubt, when they doubt something, that is an opportunity to answer a real-life legitimate question. Um, assuming the question is legitimate, but even if it's not, even if we look at that, oh, that's such an illegitimate question. Yeah, I mean, yeah. it doesn't matter what we think. To, to, to our kids, that's a real question, and yeah. they need to work through it. This is an opportunity. This isn't time to freak out. Yeah, and you still got to treat it that way. Yeah, yeah. This isn't freak out time. Like, oh, my goodness, I can't believe that my kid, oh, my, he, uh, they're, they're asking that question, and I don't know if, oh, no, what do we do now? He's doubting his faith. Yeah, yeah. No, right. no. That, this He's is going to fall away. <laughs> He's seven years old. <laughs> They have to ask those questions. They should. If they're going to have a real faith, they have to ask those questions. So this is an opportunity. This isn't time to freak out. Um, but they've got lots of things that are that they're going to be questioning. I mean, they've got you know whether or not the Bible is the authoritative word of God, whether yep, or not yep. the church that they attend is is really a legit assembly, you know, as opposed to the the mega church down the road that's a whole oh, lot sure, more sure. fun, yep. you know. Um, right versus wrong morality is, is does it exist? That's a big one. That's a big, especially in our world right now. Gender is an issue. Yeah, and uh, there, you know, most kids, depending on what age they are, younger and younger, um, culture is absolutely making a push to introduce them and pressure them to drawing conclusions about gender and about sexuality at an earlier and earlier age. And that's going to come in conflict with a biblical worldview. And we want them to trust us enough that we can have those conversations. Right. But they still might doubt our answers. And that's okay. Right. That's all right. What we're trying to do is we're not trying to give them the answers. We're trying to help them find the answers. So, you know, when someone comes to you and, and... you know, and they want advice. Um, you know, they want advice on who knows what, how to fix the brakes on their car. And so they come to you and they say, Jason, <clears throat> so uh, tell me, do I, I need to fix the brakes on my car. What do I need to do? Well, you what would you tell them? Call Golden Rule Brake Service. <laughs> <That's right. I> mean, <laughs> Shameless plug. That, that, that's a different answer I would have given than 20 years ago. Yeah. Now it's like, take it to the shop. Take it to the shop. It's easier. <laughs> right. You can tell them, 
But until they do it and work through it, they don't really know the answer. You might say, well, you're going to need this, this, and this. Right. Well, he might say, well, in, in experience, he might say, well, I, I don't think that's true. Maybe I, I think I can do it on the cheap, and um, I mm-hmm. think I only need this. I, I probably don't even need to. Yeah. Whatever. Right. Well, so sometimes people got to work through those things, and that's the same with kids. We actually don't want them just to believe because we told them. We want to work them through the process. All right, Junior, that's a good question. Let's see. Let's sit down. Okay. This side says such and such. That side claims this and that. What do you think? And have those conversations as, uh, as, and let them work their way through the process. Well, what about this? And did you consider that? Does this seem ingenuous to you? How does that? And let them, let them work through those things. That's a great approach. <clears throat> and, and now inside, though, inside, as a parent, <laughs> you might be freaking out. Yes. I mean, cause, but, but on the outside, it needs to sound like that. It's like, well, well that's a really great question. So <laughs> right. what are you, inside, you're going, oh! <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, so, but there's other th- things that come up, too, like, um, does God really love me? And sure. we think, oh, that's cheesy. Kids don't think that. But that's at the core of the human existence. You know, am, am I worth something? Am, do I have any value? Am I loved? Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, self-doubt. Am I up for it? Can I live like a Christian? Do I have what it takes? I, I see that a lot, frankly. A lot of kids, you know, just maybe don't have the self-confidence when they're thinking, well, especially especially when they hit those middle teen years um, is, is when— Boy, a lot of those, a lot of those things come up. They begin to compare themselves against others more readily, right. and uh, and they start to wonder, you know, can I do it? Can 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 I? Yeah, can I make it? Can I make it in regards to anything? I mean, that could yeah. be a, yeah. as a person in general, right? As a Christian, as a dad, as a mom, as a as a, a boyfriend, a girlfriend, whatever. Right. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. How about how about another question they might be dealing with is, uh, you know. Will, will being a Christian really stink? I mean, is, <laughs> yeah. is this going to be kind of a downer my whole do I, life? Do I you know, this? Yeah, yeah, right. It's right. like, it's like yeah. Cause you're having so much fun. <laughs> yeah. Uh huh. That's yeah. possible. Yeah. yeah, they may even have doubts about creation and evolution. That's actually pretty common, yeah. and they should work their way work their way through that. Um, you know, they may even doubt whether or not your experience is relevant to their lives. No. Yes, That's ridiculous. I don't know. Things have changed a lot since the 1930s. Maybe you're not. Uh, maybe you're not the best one to get the answer from. When I was slopping the hogs <laughs> back in, you know, I mean, but not right. not anything against slopping hogs today, but it was more of an agrarian <laughs> lifestyle in the 30s. It was. It was. Okay, we're ending. We're moving on. But I mean, how much wisdom can you really glean from walking? Both ways, uphill in the snow to school. I mean, that yeah. story, eventually they're going to see through that. <laughs> right? So we want, as parents, we want the kids to have a part um, in that process, which you know, is similar to how um, Jesus develops a great faith-building program, uh, even with Peter in Matthew chapter 14. You guys will all remember that um, the disciples are desperately trying to row, row, row their boat across the Sea of Galilee. And in the middle of the night, uh, Jesus shows up walking on the water, and as, they, uh, um, a- as they're trying to make their way to the other side, um, immediately in verse 22, he made the disciples get into the boat, go ahead of him to the other side while he sent the multitudes away. 
After he had sent the multitudes away, he went up to the mountain by himself to pray. When it was evening, he was there alone. But the boat was already many stadia away from the land, battered by the waves, for the wind was contrary. In the fourth watch of the night, which is roughly between 3 and 6 a.m., he came to them walking on the sea. And when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were frightened, of course. And they said, it's a ghost. And they cried out for fear. Immediately, Jesus spoke to them. He said, take courage. It is I. Do not be afraid. Which is, you know, Jesus' way of saying, trust me. Right. It's okay, boys. Right. It's me. So Peter says, well, okay, let's test that. Mm-hmm. Right? Peter said, well, are, is it really? Because he says, Lord, if it is you, well, then command me to come to you on the water. And Jesus says, he says, all right, come. I think that's what Peter intended. But, uh, you know, sometimes I think when we try and test the Lord and say, okay, well, Lord, can I really trust you? The Lord says, well, here's how we'll find out. Risk something. Put yourself on the line a little bit. Do do you want to find out if you can trust me? Well, get out of the boat. And so Peter, to his credit, does precisely that. Uh, But we know, of course, the story doesn't end there. Yeah, he walks in the water over to Jesus, and they all end happily ever after. Yeah, you did it! High five! <laughs> no, Peter sinks. You know, this is an opportunity for Peter to learn a huge lesson because he starts sinking. And, uh, and so he cries out for help. But there's no way that he would have gotten there if he hadn't gotten out of the boat. He got out of the boat. Jesus allows him to develop that faith and that trust through the only way possible, which is doing it on his, I shouldn't say on his own, no. but doing, but Peter is involved in the doing process. This is an active learning, not a passive receiving of faith and trust. Peter is, is absolutely a partner in this process uh, of building trust. And that, okay, so what does that look like? So um, Throw your kids in the pool. That's yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, really, but when you're talking about conversationally, it is kind of like throwing your kids in the pool because... Because it's so tempting, I mean, I find myself doing this, to just explain things out. Like somebody has a question and, and you know, we're going through a topic at, at homeschool or whatever, and, and we're going through it, and they ask, hey, what do you think about the last election? Well, here, let me <laughs> let me give you all the answers. And so you're like, Glad three you lectures later, okay, and, and that actually happened. The thing is, is, okay, but there's an opportunity missed there for them to do some digging, for them to do some research. So, yeah. But it takes a little bit of a pause. Sometimes you might have to hit that, that pause button for a second and say, you know what, that's a really good question. Tell you what, let me chew on that for a little bit. And yeah. let, let's come back to this because I, that, that is such a legitimate question you just asked there. Yeah, Jesus, and, d- go ahead. Yeah, well, that gives us some time to formulate a response <laughs> in, in, right. ca- in case you don't have it right off the top of your head right there. You yeah. know, And that's important to be honest if you don't. Because kids will see that you know that, that you're being disingenuous, just bluffing your way through. Yeah, well, that's such an that's such an easy question. No, 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 no. You you you, you better go be willing to, to go through the um, uh, go th- go through that question with them and, and sort it through. Yeah, I was just going to add. You know, Jesus doesn't go over to the boat and pick pe- pick Peter up right. and carry him across the waves. Peter has to get out <clears throat> on his own, as it were, and make his way to Jesus. But he's not in any danger because when Peter does begin to sink, there's the Lord to grab him by the hand and say, hey, I got you, pal. It's going to be okay. It's the ultimate transition, Mark, because cause if Jesus was trying to create a trust in Peter that, Jesus, you're going to take the wheel. Jesus... Jesus, you're, you're, yeah, you're, you're, you're whatever. You're, you're, you're the guy I trust to always take care of my problems. And so, 
So here I've got a problem. Jesus picked me up and carried me through. That's not the kind of trust Jesus no. was trying to build. Uh-uh. The kind of trust that Jesus was trying to build in Peter was was an, an, uh, an, uh, a trust in in God's working through Peter's faith as Peter acted. And that's really what we're trying to get our kids to have as well, is God working through them, through their faith, but they've reasoned through that. It's not just f- trust in us as parents that we're going to pick up pick up the conversation and give them all the answers, or right. trust in us that we're always right. That's not the kind of trust we're talking about. Yeah. Jesus has the same challenge that we do as parents. It was really easy for the disciples to put their trust in him personally. And Jesus is almost always trying to move those guys off of trusting in his presence and on to trusting in the Father on their own, you know, which is a challenge, but it's the same challenge that we have. We want to be a, a help to them in building the faith, not with us that they can see, but really faith in God whom they cannot see, but helping them make that transition from right. one to the next. Right. So in doing that, boy, super important that parents, number one, really are trustworthy. You, you can't expect kids to trust you if you don't deserve to be trusted. I mean, that honor your father and mother thing, that's only going to, that's only going to bide you so much time. Yeah. Uh, <clears throat> you, you really are going to have to, to, uh, to develop the trust. And what do you think that means? How do I make my kids trust me? How do you make them trust you? Well, yeah, I ask really it that one. Exactly. Yes. Phrase. I can yeah. command it of them. Yeah, I Thou shalt so. trust. Oh, yeah, let him fall, just like what Jesus did with Peter, you know. And then, <laughs> and let and him then, drown. <laughs> let him drown, and then, well, you should have trusted, yeah. ye of little faith. That's I right. mean, that's a, but Let we that re- be a lesson to the rest of you kids in the boat. <laughs> hey, but, but you know what, though? We do read that account kind of in that tone sometimes. Sometimes. Where we, it's like, well, Jesus, he sure showed him, and uh, really showed him he should have trusted more. That's not really the lesson there. God is trustworthy. How does God demonstrate his trustworthiness to us? I mean, if we want the kids to, to trust us and have some confidence that um, that they can depend on us. Now, the first thing we have to be is trustworthy. We have to be people who keep our word, people that they can depend on. And um, we need to, whatever issues we have, we need to deal with those and become the kind of people that are worthy of their trust. Yeah. Just simply being a parent um, or a guardian does not make you trustworthy. It gives you opportunity to prove that you're someone who can be trusted. Kids put a lot of faith in us as parents. You know, so much of their world depends on how we view them. Um, You know, can we be trusted with, with their frailties? When, when the kids come to you with those questions, can they be confident that we really are there for their best interests? For their best interest. Yeah, when something doesn't go right for them or, or if they get into trouble, c- can they trust that we're still there for their best interest? Right. Do, they, do they know how we're going to react? You know, is, is dad going to run me through the lecture mill? Is, is mom going to blow a gasket? Is, you know, there needs to be some trust developed there that over time we have demonstrated that we are trustworthy, that they can depend on us to, uh, to really want what's best for them. So if we don't have an answer, we don't make one up. <clears throat> we say, that's a good question. I don't know the answer to that question. But how about we, how about we find it together? Did you ever see the old uh, comic strip, Calvin and Hobbes? Yeah. And, and about every so often, Calvin would approach his dad and let him know that his numbers were slipping in the polls. Yes. And uh, I, I just love that. <clears throat> you know, and dads are elected for life and... <laughs> And they can't be uh, they can't be recalled and right. um, 
but it doesn't mean they know everything. Well, we would be ha- I mean, a, most yeah. everything. All right, most okay. everything. Okay, you know, we, we're trying to be humble here. When I mentioned whatever issues we have, we need to work through those. So if there's insecurities that it, that we're working through. This means insecurities as parents? As parents. Yeah. Yeah, you know. So, and, and Junior comes up to us and asks us a question that pushes that whatever button that <laughs> is, you know, that insecure button. This is not the time. Nope. To lay into Junior or to, to give them that insight. This is the time to step back through the lens of what's best for them at this point. Okay, know. so everybody's <clears throat> at a different point, though. Yeah. So it might well be that kids aren't asking mom and dad right now, so maybe there's a lack of trust. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, when the kids are little, um, you have a lot more opportunity to, to, to build that. Uh, their, um, uh, they are just more trusting as a, as a result of, uh, of their age and yeah. mental uh, mental development, yeah. um, but you know, as as the kids get older, maybe some of those opportunities have developed in you know in a lack of trust. Maybe there's some trust issues. Yeah, trust is earned, and so if we have not earned trust as parents, uh, we really can't blame our kids for that lack of earning it. If that really is the issue, so. At this point, we might need to take some ownership of those things and not going and rehashing everything necessarily that we've done wrong and all that. But this might not be a bad time to have that conversation and pivot that and say, you know, I may have done some things here that caused you to not trust in me that I had your best interest in mind. And I just want you to know I truly do want what's best for you. And I love you. And I want to be here for you, whatever that means to you. Yeah, and I would I'd go so far as to let them know I want to be trustworthy. Yeah. You know, depending on the age appropriateness uh, of the conversation, you might even ask what that looks like. How can I be a trustworthy dad yep. or a trustworthy mom? What what can I what do you need from me in order to We're not trying to make them trust us, but we just want to be honest with them and say, "Hey, listen, what do I need to do in order to be trustworthy. You know, sometimes there's a lot of other underlying relationship issues and challenges, and sometimes it's just going to take, it's the long haul instead of, you know, this is not going to be done uh, over one weekend seminar right. or, um, you know, sit down powwow. Right. Um, th- this is going to take some time uh, to develop. And it's possible, too, that, you know, the kid may not even want the question answered. Maybe they're just throwing that out there to see how you're going to react. Sure. We, we don't even, we don't know. I mean, who, who knows where that's at? It could be that they don't want a relationship. That they don't want That's to ever possible. trust you. That's possible. But it's also possible that in the pursuing of this in the right way, because we are seeking what's best for them, that down the road, that could come back to benefit them and the relationship by being honest and trying to earn that trust. Yeah. We can't control, obviously, what the kids are going to do. We can't make them trust us. But what we can do is be trustworthy. When the kids need someone to trust, and if you've demonstrated that you can be trusted, we've at least we've left the door open for that part of, of the relationship to be restored. Hopefully, a lot of you still have those opportunities and those relationships aren't, aren't severed or, or, or broken. But whether they are or whether they're not, it doesn't change our responsibility. Whether you've got great relationships with your kids or whether you don't, whether you're estranged from your kids, it still comes down to... We have to do the right thing now. We've got to make sure, like you said earlier, for their sake, we've got to be the right person. We don't have the luxury of waiting until they're ready and then changing ourselves to become trustworthy. We've got to be that person right now. God is the greatest example of that. He said, I'm never going to leave you. I'm never going to forsake you. I'll be with you until the end. 
And he makes good on that promise every time. And we'll see you next time on Inner Man Radio. Yeah, thank you for listening. If you like what you hear, you can be sure to never miss an episode by visiting innermanradio.org or get automatic notifications on your phone with the Innerman Radio app. It's available on Google Play or Apple Stores. <laughs>